prayer is, uh, and I know you know this, but prayer is very needed within the church uh, today. Probably more so today than it ever has been. I'm not trying to say that prayer 10 years ago or 15 years ago was not important. It was. But we live in a day and time to where people don't put a lot of stock in prayer anymore. They don't put a lot of stock in answered prayers because sometimes we feel like our prayers do not get answered. There's a lot of things and a lot of questions that even as a pastor that people will come and they'll ask me things concerning prayer. Why did God choose prayer? And why, why is this form of method of prayer, of talking to God, why, why is it so important to us? We want to deal with a little bit about that tonight. Things like how does prayer work? You know, questions that you, you, you may have been asked before. Why, why don't I feel like praying? And yet after praying, you know, we feel so much better even though that we don't feel like praying. Why are my prayers not getting answered? Those kind of questions. And, and I'm probably, there's so many more that, uh, that, uh, that we could ask tonight. And, uh, but, but we hope that we can answer some of those questions concerning what prayer is and how important prayer is in our life as God's people. How many's ever been to a play and you're sitting out of the audience and you see the curtains closed and on the reopening of the curtains, maybe on the second act or the third act, something like that, even just a few minutes later possibly that the stage looks different. In other words, they've changed the whole stage from act to act. New props are in place and, and you wondered how in the world did they do those kind of things. And, and then by accident, maybe somebody moves the, the, the curtain and, and for just a moment you see different people behind the curtains, behind the scenes, so to speak, and they're Moving those props into place, actors are taking uh, positions and all of the things that's going on. You don't see none of that, but behind the stage, it's just a busy uh, of people moving, coming in and out, and the mystery is solved, and, and now you know how the stage got changed. Well, tonight, as we turn in, in God's Word, not only are we going to find answers from God's Word, from the questions maybe that you have and questions maybe that you've asked before, but in the book of Daniel, chapter 10, the curtain is going to be moved a little bit. And we're going to see a glimpse of what happens when we pray. Now, this is not the only message concerning prayer. There's been thousands and thousands of messages concerning prayer. But I want to use the book of Daniel here about Daniel's vision. And as we go through this, this message, I want, you to, I want you to ask yourself these, these questions. Who do we pray to? Who do we pray to? How does our prayer get to heaven? Uh, does, do, you know, do you know what I mean when I say this? Does it, does it ever feel like to you that at times when you pray that it, your prayer is hitting the ceiling and coming back down? You know, you understand that kind of, kind of terminology. It's not breaking through the heavenlies, so to speak. So how does our prayer get to heaven? What happens when we pray or behind the scenes? What are the things that are taking place behind the scenes? Or, or, or how does prayer affect those that we pray for? And then also, how does prayer affect our what does it do to us? Look with me, if you will, in Daniel chapter 10. Look, we'll look at verse 1 through 3. We're going to go through this chapter. We're going to take it verse by verse tonight. Daniel chapter 10, verse 1 through 3. <clears throat> in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long. And he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat, wine or no wine came to my mouth, nor did I appoint myself at all till three whole weeks were full. 
So I want, to ask, I want to talk to you just a minute before we go on any further in this chapter about, about who do we pray to? How does our prayer get to heaven? You'll find here in the book of Daniel, Daniel wasn't a, a different kind of character. He was an unusual kind of character. There's a lot of different stories that's related to, to this guy by the name of Daniel. But one of the things that we'll know about this character Daniel is that we know that Daniel is a man of prayer. We know that he's a man of prayer. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he prayed three times a day. He prayed in his room. He prayed in the lion's den. He prayed for wisdom. He prayed for guidance. He prayed for the sins of his nation. But here we see him pray like us because he is in trouble. He's praying because he's in anguish. He's praying because he's perplexed and troubled. And he's, he's concerned. And the Bible says for 21 days that he fasted. And he got even some of his friends to, to pray with him. It's important tonight that, that this is around the date that the prophet Jeremiah prophesied and they told Israel that their exile was coming to an end. Their 70 year period of captivity was coming to an end but nothing seemed to happen. How many know 70 years is a long time? It's a long time so if God starts this message or this vision at the beginning of the 70 years at some point in time you think God will you ever show up? Are you ever going to answer this vision? Are you ever going to going to get us out of exile? Are you ever is this 70 years ever going to come to an end? But nothing happened. And I want you to see the Jews, a, a nation who is known to be sheep keepers and and now they're in exile and they become shopkeepers they were doing well and and were not keen to go back they, they, they were really wasn't keen to go back to keeping the sheep or the herding the sheep in other words they had settled where they were at they had settled by keeping shop so to speak they were settled and they they they, they, they got comfortable in the lifestyle that they were living in it's the same way with you and I if we're not careful we'll get comfortable of where we are in our spirit and we don't think that there's any room for growth. But can I tell you, there's always room for growth in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't ever think and don't ever feel like you're going to get comfortable and you've known everything that there is to know and you that there's nothing else for you to find out. Because I want to tell you, this word is rich in wisdom for us tonight. It's rich, it's wealthy and as far as our words and how it builds us up. But the people here, the Jews of this time, they, they, they were not really keen to go back and Daniel knew they were in trouble and he began to pray. But Daniel knew that his people also needed to repent and to obey and to return to the, to the place or the physical or the, or the spiritual place, so to speak, where God could bless them abundantly. Remember, this was God's people. Don't we fall for the same trick tonight in, in the area of Satan? And so Daniel was praying with his friends for God to stir his people up to return to the promised land. If you've not heard nothing I've said over the last several years, almost every Sunday morning when I get up, I'll say something to the fact that God needs to stir us up. He needs to get us back to where we need to be, right? He needs to get us back to understanding who he is. In other words, we need to get back to our first love because every now and then, if we're not careful, we'll leave our first love and we'll get outside underneath the umbrella of God Almighty and we'll find ourselves in situation after situation and all the time God is calling his people back. It's just like the nation of Israel. You go back and do a study in the Old Testament, you'll find that God repeatedly over and over and over again, Sister Mavis called his people back out of their sin and back out of their complacency and back out of their idolatry and back out of their complacency of just not serving him, getting settled. And that's just exactly how 
you and I are today. But I'm so afraid that we live in a day and time that if we're not listening to the word, if we're not putting those things in our heart and in our spirit like God is wanting us to put in our spirit, that we fall to the place that it's so easy just to get comfortable and stay there. God said you can't stay there where you are. you got to move forward. And Daniel understood this. Look with me in Daniel chapter 10 verse 4. The Bible says now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked and behold a certain man clothed in linen whose waist was girded with gold of Euphaz. His body was like burial, his face like the appearance of a lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. I mean, when you, I mean, when you think about that, you sort of get that in your picture. Daniel had a mighty, mighty vision of who God was. I mean, think about it for a second. If something like that would happen to you, if something like that would happen in our prayer meeting services, if something like that would happen on Sunday morning, I mean, we would, we would be a astonished at all the things that we're able to see and as Daniel and his friends were praying the Bible said suddenly in the midst this amazing figure stood the first question probably that come upon Daniel's mind who in the world could this figure be remember John on the Isle of Patmos in Revelation chapter 1 verse 12 the Bible says this then I John turned and I see the voice that spoke to me and having turned I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the seven lampstands one like the son of man clothed with his garment down to the feet and girded about his chest with a golden band his head and hair were white like wool as white as snow and his eyes like a flame of fire his feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace and his voice were the sound of many waters he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two edged sword and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength and that question who could this be? They had the same experience. The second question probably did Jesus Christ just decide to do a quick visit or what exactly took place when Daniel saw this figure? There's another place in the word that will answer this very important question. Elisha and his servant in 2 Kings chapter 6 and many of you remember this story where the Bible says the king of Syria wanted Elisha killed and he sent his army who entered Dothan at night and when the servant went out the next morning To his shock, they were surrounded by all the army enemy forces all around. And he come running in and said, oh, we're in trouble, Elisha. We're in trouble. You can find it in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14. When the Bible says that he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there and went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? We would be the same way. Oh Lord, what in the world are we going to do? We get phone calls sometime and we think, oh Lord, what in the world are we going to do? We hear messages and we see messages. Oh my God, what in the world am I going to do? I don't know what direction to go. I don't know if to turn to the left or turn to the, what are we going to do? Oh my Lord, what are we going to do? The servant said, and the, the, and the prophet answered, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Hallelujah. And Elisha prayed, And he said, Lord, open his eyes so he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Lord, I pray 
He, his eyes are open. No, he was not blind. He was not blind for what was going on. He just couldn't see in the spirit realm. But like you and I today, his fleshly eyes could not penetrate through the curtain. They could not see the spiritual. But can I tell you, when those things take place in our life as a child of God tonight, because God has given us an open door, because we've allowed ourselves to walk through that open door, Sister we have a whole host of angels all around us that's many and mighty more than all the enemy forces that can come against us. Hallelujah. Somebody, sometimes we get so down on our on our stuff that, that the enemy takes us to. But if our eyes could be open, if our spiritual focus could be sharpened just a, just a little bit, Brother Larry, we can see all the other angels and all the other help that God has provided for us. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. Listen to me. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Mm-hmm. Now some of y'all ain't getting it right yet. We're a little slow today. But Brother Mike, what that tells me is I can see my problem. I can see my trouble and I don't like it. Sometimes my problem and my trouble is big and it weighs me down. Sometimes the circumstance that I have to walk through seems impossible. Sometimes that mountain seems big and I can't get over it. (laughs) But here the Apostle Paul is telling us, Don't fix your eyes on what is seen. Don't fix your eyes on the problem. Don't fix your eyes on the situation. Because what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen. It says my light and temporary troubles are achieving for me an an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Hallelujah. 1 John 4 and 4 says, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You've got to get it tonight. Jesus is there all the time. While Daniel and his friends were praying, he is our mit- in our midst tonight. Every time that you and I go through trials, every time we go through this situation and we pray, we've got to understand that he is is in the midst of that situation. Amen. Next time you pray, and it feels as if your prayer can't go no higher than the ceiling or the room, the next time Satan lies to you and tells you that you're alone, tells you you're defeated, tells you that you're a loser, tells you that you can just give up, you got to know that the King of Kings is there by your side. You've got to know that the Lord Supreme is next to you. He is with you. His Holy Spirit lives in you. Child of God, He is with you. He Himself has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper tonight. Amen. You may not help me, but He's going to help me. You may not come alongside my side, but he will come alongside of me. You may not grab my hand and support me, but he will grab my hand and support me tonight. The Lord is my helper. Hallelujah. So Daniel said, Lord, open his eyes. I'll not fear. What can man do to me? We've got to turn to him in prayer. I mean, when you think about that, what a blessed, what a blessed place when we see the unseen. What a blessed place that is. 
and we start to look at life and all of its challenges and temptations with our spiritual eyes. Pastor, is that easy to do? No. Not going to lie to you. It's not easy to do. Because sometimes, you know, it gets tough. Sometimes the news that we receive is hard. We can't seem to break through what the enemy wants to bring in our path. But I will tell you, he's able. He's able. So if that's the case, what happens then, Pastor, when we pray? What, what goes on behind the scenes? Well, you'll, you'll understand that Daniel just seen the glory of the, of the one he prays to. He just prayed that the servant's eyes was opened up. And now he's about to learn more about what happens when we pray. Look with me, if we will, in Daniel chapter 10. Go down to verse, go down to verse number 10. Verse number 10 says, suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. I like them suddenly moments. How about you? A hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling, Daniel said. And then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Somebody say hallelujah. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Micah, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. What are you talking about, Pastor? A second now individual is being sent to help old brother Daniel. It touches Daniel and helps him get up from his feet. I mean, he's done been shaking so much, he's down, praying on his knees, don't know which direction to go, but they touched him, and he gets touched, and he stood through his feet, and Daniel is standing there trembling and shaking, and the angel reveals everything to him about prayer, and surely this has been given also to you and I tonight to show us what happens when we pray. In other words, can I tell you, when we don't think that our prayers have hit the ceiling, from the very moment that first word leaves our breath, it it reaches heaven and, 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 and the heaven releases an angel to touch you and give you the answer. Pastor, is that true? That's what the word said. But sometimes that response is stopped in the spirit realm. Sometimes there's a war going on in the spirit realm. Daniel understood this. Not only is the king of kings there, but also ministering angels is there to help us as well. Hebrews 1 and 14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Angels are ready to be sent by God to do His work when we pray. Now, I'm not preaching about angels tonight. I'm not preaching about the glory of angels and all of that kind of stuff. Because there's only one glory, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord can send whoever He wants to to help you. Amen. And he, but these angels are there to ministering spirits to serve those who inherit salvation. And angels are ready tonight to be sent to God, sent from God to do His work when we pray. We cannot command angels to not understand that. But you can certainly request from God, and He commands those angels. Amen. When you look at verse number 12, Daniel from the first day said, Your words were heard. From the first day, your prayer was heard immediately. Boy, Brother Johnny, that helps me a little bit tonight. Because I know that when I pray, he hears me. When I pray, he's listening to me. And I have come because of your words. Second thing we need to understand, the answer was sent immediately. 
Not only was it heard immediately, the answer was sent immediately. Child of God, if you're in this place tonight, and if you're going through some stuff tonight, you need to be assured that your prayer has already been heard at the throne. An answer has been sent to you. Amen. It has been sent to you. You've got to understand that sometimes delays is possible. Delays are possible. Verse 13 says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. you got to understand that there's, that there's not only good angels, but there's also fallen angels trying to oppose the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's trying to oppose your answer. He's trying to oppose what God is trying to do in your life. How do you know that? Turn to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 where the Bible says, For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You've got to know that God's answer will never be late. It might not show up when you want it, but his answer will never be late for you. It may not come in the form that you want it to come, but his answer will never be late for you. And the Bible says, behold, Micah, one of the chief princes, a warring angel, came to help me. God will muster all the forces that he needs to as long as faithful people remain. He'll give those answers. Amen. I mean, if you know in the scriptures, when the Bible talks about oh, oh, the angel Gabriel, Gabriel was a messenger angel. He come and delivered. He was the one that, that come and said, behold, for unto you this day is born in the city of David a son, you know, the, the messaging angel. But Michael was always cons- uh, considered a warring angel. He's the one that come and took care of business, in other words. He's the one that you picture with a sword, in other words. He's the one, Sister Ruth. And so when Daniel prayed that prayer, his, his prayer was heard immediately. The answer was sent immediately. But somewhere in between that answer being heard and that message and that answer being sent, he was stopped in the heavenlies by the, by the enemy to stop that message, to stop that answer. And the warring angel, Michael, had to come down and help, help the Lord out, help, help defeat the enemy. You've got to understand the next time you pray, you've got to know that you're involved in heavenly warfare. That's why I was telling you this morning, those of you that's on the prayer team, it's just not words that you say. Your words hold value tonight in the spirit realm. Your words are important in the spirit realm. Your prayers are important in the spirit realm. Don't look at yourself as a defeated warrior before you start. Understand that God has gifted you. Understand that God is going to anoint you. Understand that God is going to lay his hand upon you. That you can touch heaven for somebody else else hallelujah so when you pray you're involved in heavenly warfare you got to know that God hears you he answers immediately know that you need to remain in prayer and keep the faith know that God's answer will never be too late Satan and all of his forces were defeated on a lonely hill called Golgotha he thought he had it won but he didn't he was defeated that's why prayer is so vitally important keep on praying keep the faith when you look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 and 2 gives us a little bit of instructions concerning worship. He says, therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, that prayers, that intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings of all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And so if you and I, if we agree tonight that we should believe in prayer, then, then don't speak to me, don't pray to me, but pray to the Father. 
He's the one that we pray to. Speak to God more and more. Speak to God more and more. That's the instruction that God has given us to worship Him and to seek Him in prayer. And so we've got to know that things begin to happen in the, in the physical realm. How, how, how does our prayer affect those that we pray for? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's somebody that we don't know. Maybe it's unspoken. How, how does it affect those that we pray for? If you will, look with me in Daniel chapter 10. Look with me in verse number 15. The Bible says, when he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And suddenly one having the likeness of the sons of men came and touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. For now can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord. As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. In other words, Daniel got physically exhausted, in other words. How many's ever prayed before where you become just physically exhausted in your prayer life? When you travailed in prayer, where you felt like you didn't have no strength left to pray. You didn't have words even to say anymore. You didn't have you didn't know what what next to do because you're so physically drained. In this in this chapter here, in this scripture, when the when when the word was spoke to me, Daniel said, I turned my face to the ground. I become speechless. I, I, I become, I become, I didn't have any strength, in other words. I didn't have any strength left. And here we can see that the prayer had a, had a, had a physical effect on old brother Daniel. He had no strength left. He was overcome with sorrow because of all the things that has taken place. It serves as a reminder to you and I tonight that prevailing prayer has a high cost on it. Listen to me, church. Let me tell you that anybody that says prayer is not hard work has never worked hard at prayer. Prayer is hard work. I'm talking about serious prayer. When you go before the Lord, when you travail with the Lord. I was reminded just a few weeks ago, some of the ministers, we got together. It was over at Brother Mike Welch's church at Trinity Baptist. and It was just a few of us that morning. And we sat in his office and we began to pray. And Brother Mike was praying, and all of a sudden, prayer come upon him. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Now, we've been praying for about 30 minutes up to that point. But all of a sudden, prayer come upon him. And he bowed his head on his desk, and he began to weep uncontrollably. And he couldn't get another word out. And it wasn't too long, Brother Parker, that when that happened, it seemed like God's presence just entered the room. And I begin to weep, and the other ministers begin to weep. And we begin to, with groanings, just begin to groan because of what we were praying about. And for about 15 or 20 minutes, we begin to just travail in prayer. Can I tell you, praying sometimes is hard, hard work. But after it was over with, we all felt refreshed. After it was over with, we got up and we shook one another's hand. And we loved one another's brothers do in Christ. And we said, this has been so good. Even though it was tough what we were praying about. Even though we was in travail. It's a refreshing spirit now. It's hard to work. Sometimes we don't feel like praying. And there are times that's absolute agony to pray. Sometimes. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, he says, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. 
If you go on down in that chapter, verse number 12, it says, So then death is working in us, but life in you. Paul said, there's death that's working in me. What I'm doing, in other words, I'm travailing for over, this, over this nation. I'm travailing over the people. It's working death in me, but life is in you. That's a commentary to prayer. You see, it is possible. It is possible. Hear me. It is possible for you to go through agony on my behalf. It is possible for me to go through agony on your behalf. Pastors in here, you know what I'm talking about. Leadership, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't feel nor, nor, nor even aware of the agony at times, but, but yet I get the blessing of the prayer. What are you talking about, Pastor? Parents can do this for children. Children can, can do this for your parents. You got a child, you got a brother, you got a sister, you got parents who is on the way to make a terrible mistake and you've talked to them about it. You've discussed it, you've counseled with them, you've advised them, you've even yelled at them at times. But they still are going to go ahead blinded and make the same, make that mistake that you know they're going to make. You feel that you can't, you've done everything that you know to do, but you got to pray. You got to pray. Death can be at work in you because of what they're doing, the decisions that they're making, but God will work life in them. You keep up the prayer life. Keep up the prayer life. Start praying earnestly for them. Pray as if it's, if it's for your own soul and you're crying out for mercy. Just pray for them. There's times, and I can tell you this honestly, there's times as a pastor, Sister Mary, I pray for certain people. And I know the situations that maybe that's going on in their life. And I just believe that if they'll just, if they'll just turn it around, if they'll just seek God, if they'll just come to God, if they'll just come kneel to Him, if they'll just give everything to Him, God would turn it around, but they refuse to do so. And I'll watch it, and you'll see stages of progression, of going back on God and leaving the house of God. And you wonder, they're not here anymore, and you wonder where they are because of just a process, little by little, little by little. They've left, and you, you, you groan in agony for them. You groan in agony for them. One particular night, I can't remember when it was, Sister, Sister Val was here. It's been several months ago now. Sister Val Peterson, but she come down for prayer. And I don't know, I've prayed for her many times for healing, for God just to heal her, heal her body. I'd love for God just to heal her body, get her up out of that wheelchair, to open her blinded eyes. I mean, I really would. But that night, it was just really all over me. And I prayed in travail prayer. Maybe nobody else understood what, I, what was going on, but I was in agony, wanting, God, why don't you? I was just begging God, please heal her. Heal her body, Lord. And if it's me, then increase my faith. Help my faith. Help my unbelief, God. Whatever you got to do, just heal her body. You've been there, right? Where you've prayed with people and you've, you've just travailed in that prayer. You've just travailed. You can, you can go through agony on somebody else's behalf. How does it affect ourselves? We know how it affects others, but how does it affect ourselves then, Pastor? See, prayer, prayer is, not, is not only about our weakness and mystery. There's a ministry to us in it as well. Look at, look at this last portion of this, of this chapter in chapter, chapter 10, verse 18 through 19. Daniel's talking. He said, Lord, you've touched me, but, I, but my strength is not, is not there. My breath has left me. Verse 18 says, then again, the one having the likeness of man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. I've lost my strength, but this man says, be strong. Hallelujah. Yes, be strong. 
And when he had spoke to me, I was strengthened, Daniel said, and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Somebody say hallelujah. I might have been a week at that one moment, but now I have been, I have been strengthened. Amen. I've been strengthened for he's come in and touched me and he strengthened me. Daniel is strengthened and we're told exactly how. He said, the man said, fear not. You got to remember early on in this chapter, Daniel was a troubled man and now all the reason for fear has been removed. There three things you need to understand. The Lord said he spoke peace unto you and he said be strong and then he said it a second time. Yes be strong and of good courage. That is what prayer does to the one who prays. Just like I was telling you a while ago. We may have been travailing in prayer. We may have been hurting and in agony but after the prayer was over with every one of us begin to feel strengthened and refreshed in our body. Why? Because somewhere in the middle of that prayer the Lord Jesus Christ come down and he touched us and he said, man of God, woman of God, be strong. Don't be weakened anymore. Yes, be strong. Hallelujah. And there's moments in our life where we need the Lord to come and just tell us, hey, I've got this. Be strong. I've got this. Be strong. That's what prayer does to one who prays. It brings peace to the soul. It brings peace to the body. It brings strength to the body. It brings courage to the spirit. The whole man, the body, soul, and spirit have been ministered to. Amen. I want the musicians, if they will, to come. I want you to look with me, will, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. This, this scripture here is talking about a, an appeal for unity. It's talking about an appeal for steadfastness. And it says here in verse 1, it says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters... You whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. He says, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Eurodia. I plead with Shintek to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. When you look down in verse number 6 in that same chapter, the scripture says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and will guard your mind through Jesus Christ. Well, hallelujah. Church, that lets me know I can go before my Father tonight. And even though I may be weakened, even though I may be weak tonight in my flesh, in my spirit, even though things and circumstances of life have just weighed me down, the man of God, the angel of the Lord, whoever it may be, can come down and touch me, Brother Roger. And the Lord can tell me, be strong. Yes, be strong. Trust in me. I've got you. Fear not, says the Lord. And I believe with all my heart, God is wanting to tell some of us that tonight. Peace, peace, peace. That wonderful sense that everything is all right. Even though nothing has been changed. Peace, the, the same Daniel had. It gives strength to the body. His peace. It gives strength to the body. It gives courage to the will. It restores the spirit. It restores the spirit. It restores your spirit tonight. How many of you are ready to battle again in prayer? How many of you are ready to battle this for this last generation in prayer? Because that's what it's going to take. How many of you are willing to weep over your lost family members? Because that's what it's going to take. How many of you are you willing, willing to be in agony with your prayer for this lost generation? That's what prayer does, but it will strengthen you as well. I pray that we won't look at prayer the same way ever again. 
I pray that, Brother Johnny, that prayer is just not just, just that become a mundane thing for us. That when we got time, the Lord will pray. Uh-uh, make time to pray. Make time to pray because if you have to, if you have to find time, you never will find time. You got to make time. If you've got you to find time, the enemy will always bring something up in your life that will cause you not to pray. We need prayer to become a passion once again. We need prayer to become a passion. That you'll realize the spiritual battles are fought and won on your knees. Amen. Through prayer. Because a saint humbled himself before God in faithful prayer and they begin to pray. That's why things begin to change. You want to change your home? You want to change your makeup of your family? Then begin to pray. You want to change your circumstance? Begin to pray. If you want to change those things that you have no control over, begin to submit it to God in prayer tonight. And I promise you the Lord will come and He'll touch you. He'll strengthen you tonight. I want us to come around this altar tonight. Dad, I want you to come up here, if you will. I want you to lead us in prayer. Dad and Kyle is going to be leading our prayer group tonight. I want everybody that will to come and just stand around this altar tonight. We're going to, we're going to pray just a little bit. But I want Dad to lead in prayer my whole life. And I'm not ashamed to say this. I'm proud to say this. My whole life, my dad has been a man of prayer. Ever since I was a child, I remember Greg hearing my dad pray in church at home. I remember coming in churches and he'd be in a corner somewhere praying. That spoke volumes to me. And Sister Dad, I wanted my prayer life to be as such. I don't think it's there yet, but I'm trying. Because I look to him as a man of prayer, and he still is. And I want him to lead this church. I want, I, want a, I want prayer to break out in this church. I want revival through prayer to break out in this church. I want the Holy Ghost to move in our hearts through prayer. That's what it's going to take. You've got to be hungry for it. You've got to be thirsty for the move of God. If, you, if God's going to move in your heart, you've got to be hungry for it. You've got to be thirsty for it. You can't sit back. You can't be idle. You can't just say, okay, God, if you're gonna, when you show up, just, just show up and I, I'm going to be ready. No, no, no. You've got to be ready for it. You've got to be ready for it. When that 120 went to the upper room, Brother Peters, they were there waiting. They had no, they didn't, they didn't worry about tomorrow. They weren't worried. They weren't concerned about the things that was going on. They were just told, go there and to wait. And I'm going to send a comforter. Now, me and you, let's just be honest with ourselves. Along about the second or third day, we'd been saying, Lord, when's it going to come? Because I've got to work tomorrow. I've got a softball game I've got to go to. I'm going to get in some of our living rooms tonight. I've got vacation that I've got I to go to. I'm not saying none of those things are wrong. I'm just saying that's how we are. About the fifth and sixth day, we'd really get concerned. Lord, do you not understand? I, I got to provide food for my family. I, I, Lord, don't you not understand? I, 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 I'm, I'm the provider for my home. You've got to do something quick so I can get back to my routine. Long about the eighth and ninth day, we'd, we'd still be asking questions. Lord, where are you? Where are you? But these folks, they wait. They went there with one purpose in mind. They were going to tarry until God endued them with power. Hallelujah. And long about the tenth day. Woo. I don't know what they was praying. I don't know what they was doing. But all of a sudden, the Bible said there come a sound. As of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. 
It filled the house where they were praying. It filled the house where they were gathered together in one mind, in one accord, in unity. Tongues of fire come and settled each one of them. The room, Brother Wendell, got too small for them. They had to get out in the street. 3,000 souls were added to the church. The church was started because of 120 people just decided, I'm going to do something different than I've ever done before. And God showed up. I'm looking for just a few folk tonight. Include myself just to, that has a desire just to do a little something different. Just to spend time with God different than you ever spent time with God. Just to get along with God more so than you ever have before and see what God will do. Amen. How many believes God can do it? He's, he's still God, is he not? He's still God. Amen. God, truly, you're awesome in all your power and all your strength and all your glory. God, you're awesome in all your strength and all your anointing, Lord. Oh, Father God, we know in the hour in which we live, Lord, it's a troubled time. God, it's a difficult time, Lord. It's a trying time, Lord, for the church and for Christianity, Lord. God, we're under bombardment, Lord, from every side. God, we're being attacked by the enemy from every side. But, oh, God, in this hour, Lord, raise up prayer warriors, Lord, that will come against the power of the enemy. Raise up prayer warriors, Lord, that will demonstrate, God, to the enemy that we're not afraid to attack, uh, Lord, the things that are coming against the church today, Lord. God, raise us up, O oh God, again, Lord, to declare the whole counsel of God in this hour in which we're living, Lord. Oh God, let us be anointed with a fire of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to declare your word and your truth in our generation, Lord. God, we need a moving and a stirring in our local church here at Pathway. Then it needs to stretch out, God, to this entire city, Lord, and to every church that names the name of Jesus. Oh God, let your power and your anointing, Lord, God, come down, Lord, like a, like a lightning bolt from heaven, God, to strike us, Lord, afresh and anew with a hunger and with a thirst, Lord, to cry out to you for our sons and our daughters, uh, oh God, and our loved ones, Lord. Oh Lord God, we need God's strength, uh, Lord, to come forth, God, to bring us into that place of deliverance, into that place of victory, into that place of strength, into that place of anointing, oh God. Lord, we need again for you to demonstrate God healing in our midst, Lord. We need to see a demonstration of your power and anointing God among the sick people in our church, Lord. God, we need to be able to walk in here and walk out of here knowing that you have visited us God, in an awesome and mighty way, Lord God. Oh, Lord, we don't need a social club. We need a power in the demonstration of your spirit to reign in our midst and in our hearts and in our lives as never before, Lord. Oh, God, bring again your fire to burn among us, Lord. Bring again your anointing to burn among us, Lord God. Lord, whatever fire we got burning, let it be built larger. Lord, whatever 
whatever fire we got going, let us load some more wood upon it, Lord, so it'll burn mightier and stronger in our midst and upon our families and upon our children, God. Oh, Lord, give us a spiritual vision that we may see where we are, that we may see where we're standing. Lord, that we may see and understand the power and the strength of your word, Lord. Oh, God, melt our hearts as they've never been melted before by the Holy Ghost, that we may humble ourselves under your mighty hand, that we may be exalted again under your mighty presence, God. Oh, Lord, send your angelic host of heaven to move in our midst and walk among us, demonstrating your power and your anointing, Lord. Lord God, let us get a hunger and a thirst like we've never had before, God. Let us get us a hunger and thirst, Lord, for your coming like we've never had before, God. Oh, Lord, because we know your coming is near. We know the hour is drawing near. And we know trouble is arising on every hand because your word said in the last days that those that hold on to the end shall be saved. So we know we're going to have to, God, hold on. We know, God, we're going to walk through troubled waters. We know, God, we're going to walk through troubled times. But, oh, God, we also know that your spirit is sufficient for every need, that you will keep us and guard us and direct us and guide us until that moment and that hour comes when you return to this earth again. 